You're listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au. We um, got Mike preaching before we do, uh, as we've been doing lately, been sharing some prayers um, from the Valley of Vision. Today I'm doing one from a different book called Everyday Prayers. Author is Scotty Smith and it's 365 Days to a Gospel-Centred Faith. And uh, last week I talked to you about about, uh, how to pray the Bible. Well, here's an example of praying the Bible from this book. And it's a prayer about weeping and dancing. And it's based on the scripture of 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, which says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. And the prayer is, Holy and loving Father, as I continue to pray and read my way through the Bible, it's portions of your word like this one, that make me want to weep and dance at the same time. I feel like weeping over the years I spent in ignorance, a stranger to the ways of grace. I am grateful that you brought me to Jesus, but clueless about how you actually change your sons and daughters. I suffered much under the hands of bad theologies, man-centred remedies and Christless formulas. This one passage alone tells me that you're the God who called me to life in Jesus. You are thoroughly transforming me to be like Jesus. You are keeping my whole being blameless until the day you send Jesus back to finish making all things new, including me. The God of peace you are indeed. Where else can such peace, joy and assurance be found? How did I miss the really good news of the gospel for so long? Why was I such an easy target for performance-based spirituality? Why wasn't I able to recognise corruptions of the gospel sooner? I I lament the years I spent in seeing Jesus more as my perfect model than as my perfect righteousness. The years spent rededicating my life to Jesus, trying to make him Lord of all things, holding out for a second and third and ninth and seventeenth baptism in the Spirit, instead of savouring a life of union and communion with Jesus. How did I miss so much of the gospel for so very long? Enough of looking back in sadness. I choose to look up in gladness, for you've turned my mourning into dancing, Father. You've removed the sackcloth of my self-righteousness and have clothed me with the wedding garments of the Lamb. With the music of a coming banquet already emanating from heaven, my prayer is simply this. Dear Father, more and more and through and through, Make me like Jesus. You are faithful and you will do it. I pray with profound gratitude and assurance in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I'd like to invite Mike up. He's going to share the word with us this morning. Trust you've been praying for him this past week or so. Uh, It was only... Not very long ago that I um, leaned on him to actually preach this morning, so his prep time hasn't been <laughs> as extensive as he probably would have liked, and as most of you know, he's a very busy boy with his work too. So, so um, But let's pray from this morning. 
Father, we thank you. You've put your word in Mike's heart. That you're about to put it in his mouth for us as well. We pray, Lord, that Mike uh, is able to share the things that you've laid on his heart with clarity, with conviction, and with penetration into our hearts, into our souls, into our spirits, Lord. Lord, we pray that your word will do the work in our hearts that you need it to do to conform us to the image of Christ. We pray now, Lord, that uh, you lead by your Holy Spirit as Mike preaches this morning. You, uh, If you choose to redirect him, Lord, I pray that you give him clarity about that direction so that he can communicate your word to us clearly. And uh, Lord, this morning we open our hearts to receive as he shares. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. Thanks, Ian. All right. So this morning I want to actually preach out of Galatians 5, verse 1 to 6. But before we get there, I just want to ask you a question. Are you, are you free or are you ruled? So this could be a pretty interesting question with the way you determine it, but I'll leave it up to you guys just as I preach, just to think over that one, whether you are free or whether you are ruled. So this, this leads into what I want to talk about, and that's the freedom in Christ. So Christ died for us and we're free. Yes, everyone agree, agree with that? Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Um, could be interesting. Um, but if we agree with this statement, have we looked at our lives to see if we're living free or whether we're still living in bondage? So as I speak today, just reflect on your life and see if you need to change anything to truly live free in Christ the way he's called us to be. So starting in Galatians 5, verse 1, I might actually read 1 to 6 to start off with. Thanks, John. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself... <laughs> I'll go back. I do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness of which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is the faith expressing itself through the one through love. So when I when I first talked to Sarah about this preach, um, I read that scripture and she's like, "Are you preaching on freedom or circumcision?" So <laughs> if if you're thinking this right now, bear with me. We will get to the freedom part. It's not going to be an awkward preach on circumcision. So <laughs> feel free to relax. <laughs> So, verse 1 is a good place to start for this sermon for it's an encouraging statement from Paul that our freedom is that Christ has come for us he's come to give us freedom our freedom from all things of this world that was part of our freedom from all things of this world was part of God's ultimate plan for our lives he came to set us free from the power of sin and death so that we could be with him. He has called us to live in this freedom. So living in freedom, it's an amazing privilege and a gift that the Father has blessed, with, blessed us with. It allows us to have a relationship with him. It allows us to live our lives free of bondage. 
But in turn, this doesn't give us a right to run right in sin and not care because that's not freedom. And if this is happening, are you truly saved? But that's another sermon for another day. What does it mean to be free in Christ and to live in that freedom? For this, we have to go back to where we have been set free. So if we go to Romans 8, 1 to 3... Says, therefore, there is no one, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son, in the likeness of sinful flesh, to be a sin offering, and so He condemns sin in the flesh. So in this scripture it talks about through Christ Jesus we are set free from the power of sin and death. And through Christ we are not under the law of death and sin but we have been set free by the spirit that gives life. For all those that are in Christ he, all those that are in Christ as he sent by God is set free. So what am I getting at here? It's always God's, it was always God's plan for us to live freely. In Ephesians 2.8 for his grace you have been saved through faith, it, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God. Freedom is through Christ. For all those who are in Christ, through faith, and this is a gift from God. So back, back to Galatians 5. The next few verses come with a warning. The first part of verse 1 was comforting by saying Christ came for our freedom. The next part in Galatians uh, 5, 1-4 is a warning. Um, so if we go back to Galatians 1. Thanks, John. Yeah, <laughs> it's all right. Just trying to find the spot. All good. So the first part, obviously, we've got for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Therefore, and this is where the warnings start to come in, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So I'll unpack that one to start off with. So to understand this passage... Um, we need to understand the background of what's happening to the Galatians at the time. And what Paul was referring to in these verses, it's quite easy for us just to read this and think, um, what does circumcision have anything to do with my freedom? Without an explanation, um, it is very confusing for us to unpack and un- understand what Paul was actually meaning by these, these verses. So I'll, I'll try and unpack and get some background to it. So as I explained, to try to get some insight on these verses, at the time Paul wrote these letters to the Galatians, they were living with a race of people called the... Sarah's laughing because I've pronounced this about a hundred times, and I think I've pronounced it different every single time. It's the Juda- <laughs> Judaizers. Jude- yeah, thanks, Ed. Jude- <laughs> Judaizers. Oh, I still can't get it right. <laughs> That's all right, we'll run with it. So... The Judaizers, a race of people, people that believed that Christ's death on the cross wasn't enough for them, but they needed to become Jews to even be recognised as a Christian. They were trying to teach the Gentiles that they'd become Jew, to become Jews and uphold their laws to even be recognised as a Christian, to uphold these Jewish laws, to be saved, and to be saved we first meet these guys in Acts 15.1. What it says, Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the customs taught by Moses, 
you can't be saved. Now the (laughs) Judaizers were trying to lead the Galatians down the wrong path and teach them the wrong things. They were bringing the Galatians into bondage by getting them to live by their laws in a way that pleases God. Paul makes us aware of this in Galatians 2, 3 to 5. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was Greek. The matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated the ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. As Paul writes, they, they were sent in to spy out the freedom that they had in Christ and to bring them back into slavery. Then in ver- the verse 6 of, um, of that, it relates back to Galatians 5.1. Paul calls the Galatians to live freely and not to fall into the bondage of, of, um, of slavery again. But how does this relate, um, circumcision to freedom? Circumcision happened to be the foremost requirement for a Jew who were teaching the Galatians to work the way into God's favour by keeping the laws and to work and the works that they did. Um, they basically believed that they could not be saved by Christ alone, but they had to be circumcised and to keep the laws. Paul calls them not to fall in the trap of getting circumcised to try to get the blessings out of God as that is a sin in itself. As I was saying before, our freedom is not is a gift from God, is a gift from God. Through Christ there is nothing we can do to pay our debt that we owe due to sin. So back to the um, Judaizers. <laughs> we try to teach, they were trying to teach the Galatians to make investments into Christ. They were trying to teach them the acts of the law were pleasing to God and will force God to bless you. So in verse 2 of Galatians 5, it teaches that when we reject Christ with what he has done on the cross and we reject all that he, do, he did and we don't recognise that it was more than enough to save us, we get into a position of trying to make our own investments in our salvation by what we can do and what laws we can keep. And to try to treat God as a banker and invest what we can, what we can bring to the table, not what Christ has already finished. We still see this happening in today's society with salvation. Everything was done on the cross. It was all part of God's amazing plan for our life, to save us from sin and to set us free. But for some reason, we like to put our own rules on it. For, for example, the Judaeus were saying you must be circumcised. Or in today's age, we must, you must speak in tongues to be saved. Or they can't, be, they can't be saved because they don't speak in tongues. Or they can't be saved because they weren't christened as a baby. Every time we do these, we're not only affecting ourselves by living under the yoke of slavery, but we affect everyone around us. How can a slave lead another slave into freedom? Also, we are telling people we must add things to be saved. We're trying to add something to an already perfect plan of God's. Who am I to tell God, yes, your plan was good, but I think if we add this, it'll be better. As it says in verse 2, Christ will be no value to you at all, meaning that if we are trying to save ourselves in what we do, all we are doing is dishonouring Christ in thinking that we need to add 
to what Christ has already done on the cross, not only dishonouring Christ by thinking Christ needs us to add a certain element so that we can be saved, but it nullifies God's grace for our lives, as is written in Galatians 2.21. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So, to be in a place of complete freedom in Christ is to be a place where we give it all to Christ and we exalt what Christ has done for us and that by his grace we are saved. We have to be in a place where we admit that there's no assets that we have, that we can do nothing that we can invest into Christ and what Christ did because Christ's investment on the cross is totally sufficient in setting us free. In John 19.30, when he received the drink, and Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus didn't say, it is finished, but every time you worship me, you must clap your hands three times and turn around. No, he said, it is finished. Nothing more needs to be added. There's nothing more that needs to be done. Jesus has paid it all. We are no longer a slave to sin and death, but we are set free when we believe wholeheartedly in Christ. So, back to Galatians 5. We get to verse 3. We just get 5 verse 3 up. Thanks, John. Um, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. So, verse 3 is basically saying a similar sort of story as verse 2, but it gives an insight of a mindset of slavery that he is obligated to keep the law. So obligation means required or compelled to undertake a legal or moral duty. When someone is obligated to do something, they'll try all they can to complete this task. In terms of our salvation, someone who is obligated to the law will try and keep and do every one of these laws to try back, try pay back our debt in God's eyes. In the way of the Judaizers, so circumcision, they saw it was a way they could buy back their debt with Christ and become free. They see there is sin. They see their sin as a debt that must be paid back in their works. But this is false teaching, as it's written in Galatians 2:21, as we read before. I'll just get that one back up though. I do not set aside grace of God for righteousness. Could, if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. When we, look at th- when we look at things we can do on our own eyes, we do, not, we do not do them to bring glory to Christ, but we do them to try and please God. We are not, not only working with the mindset of slavery, but we are also viewing ourselves as debtors and not sons and daughters of Christ. And we see ourselves as debtors. How is the world going to see us? And when we're trying to reach out to them, again, a slave can't lead a slave into freedom. When we are saved, we are no longer debtors, but sons and daughters of the Most High by faith in Christ. We have been set free and all our debts are paid. Luke 7, 40-50. 
Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owe money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay, back, pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will he love more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet, she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I'll, um, I'll come back to the faith part later on. But Christ has done it all on, on the cross to free us from our debt of sin. As Christians, it's important that we don't fall back into the trap of trying to please God to cover our sins, but we live in the freedom that Christ has set us free from all bondage. He has called us to live free lives from sin, and in turn, and in turn, people will see that freedom on our lives that Christ has given us and not see the debt of sin that we deserve. So verse 4. Verse 4 comes as another warning, but it also holds a key to our freedom. It warns, of, it warns the people using the law as their way of salvation, as we went over before, that the law can't save you, not only the works of Christ. And by living like this, they have given themselves a spirit of slavery, not living in grace, the grace of Christ, but trying to save themselves. But in the verse... But in this verse it says that the people trying to save themselves through the law have fallen away from grace. What is an insight for us that one of the main keys to our freedom is grace. The verse brings insight that we can only live in freedom God has for us when we solely depend on Christ and and his grace for us. John Piper put it this way, Slavery happens when we fall away from the power of grace. The key to freedom is depending on is to keep depending on the grace. God's grace is not only the sorry, I'll start that again. God's grace is not only a one-off thing when we are saved, but to live in freedom, we need God's grace each and every day. Romans five twenty-one. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Just as sin reigned in death, so does slavery. Grace reigns in righteousness, leading to eternal life, giving us freedom in Christ. So when we imply that grace is the main key for living in the freedom, it means that living in freedom in God's rescuing and caring plan for our lives. He is also working and helping us day in, day out. And when we trust in God's help for our lives, we trust in him to help save us in every situation instead of turning to ourselves and trying to save ourselves. So verse 5 and 6. As Christians, how are we spending our days? Are we spending them free or as a slave? Are we, try, are we chasing to impress God by what we're doing and how we're living? 
Or do we do, do we do things in the mindset of, I'll do this because God will be pleased with me? I have to admit, um, it's easy to fall into that trap. I've done it a few times myself, where you thought that I'll do something because God will be pleased with it. Christ is calling us to live in freedom, not in a way of what we can do to please him, but in a way that brings him glory. To him and all he has done for us by laying down our life and allowing God to work in his perfect plan he has for our life. And to lay down our need of trying to impress God and to put our two cents worth into an already perfect plan. He died so that we could live in freedom, not as debtors, ultimately bringing glory to his name and allowing people to see the freedom in which he has called us to live. Hopefully freeing, freeing people in the way that we live in Christ. As it says in verse 5, and as it said in Luke as well, faith is also another important key. It's import, this is an important phrase of being, the faith has been popping up through my preach a few times now. By faith we believe in what Christ has done for us. By faith we choose to live in Christ and by faith we are saved. Without faith, what can we say that we believe in? We need to have faith that in God that he will help us in every situation because without faith we look at ourselves and try and save ourselves out of each day. But if we look at God and have faith that he's going to work in every situation and all occasions, um, it puts us into a place to be able to work in that freedom that brings glory to him and his plan. And it's not by our works but God's power that's working in us. Galatians 3, 5-6 to So again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by you believing in what you've heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It's important that we don't lose faith for something. It's important that we don't lose faith when something doesn't happen the way we expected to. Because God makes all things work together for his good. So a bit of a story about faith and not working out the way I thought it would be. As a six-year-old kid, I went to Sunday school. They taught us that you just need a faith like a mustard seed and mountains will move and jump from the sea. So we used to travel to Melbourne a lot to see our grandparents. So every time, does everyone know what the Grampians are in Melbourne? A mountain range, a pretty big tourism place for Victoria. It was up to me. Victoria wouldn't have those mountains at the moment. <laughs> every time we drove past those mountains, I'd say to God, well, you said faith like a mustard seed, you'll throw them into the ocean. So... Every time we drove past, I tried to single-handedly throw them into the ocean, and it never happened, luckily. <laughs> but obviously, that's not part of God's plan. God has put them for a reason, and it's not... Um, yeah, he obviously didn't want to get rid of them. Well, it's fair enough. <laughs> Absolutely, they are very nice. Um, not to mention the destruction that it would have caused for the people living there. But that's all right, we'll move on from that. Um, but it's important that we don't lose faith when something that we expect to happen doesn't happen because God's always working in his plan for our lives and all we have to do is have faith and take courage that he's working. All right, so we're going to jump into... We're going to take communion now. But as we do, can I ask you to reflect on what Christ has done for us and the freedom he has given us? 
but also look at our lives and see if if there's anything that Christ needs to change for us to live completely free in that freedom. For Christ has not died for nothing. If we could do it ourselves, then what's the point of him dying for us? And if if we could save ourselves, then what's the point of Jesus coming? But the truth is, we need a saviour and we need Christ. For through Christ we have been set free. We don't need to add to God's already perfect plan. We just need to respond to him and have the faith that he will help us through all situations. So John 8:36. So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. So just as we take communion, just reflect over the, the opening statement of are you living free or are you living um, in bondage? Um, and just ask God if there's anything you need to work on. So can I invite you to come grab the drink and some bread and just whenever you feel ready to take communion. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you've set us free, Lord, and we thank you for that freedom that we have in you. Father, we thank you that we don't have to add anything to your already perfect plan, that you came, Lord, and you've saved us, Father. There's nothing more that we need to add. We just pray, Lord, that we can live in that freedom, Lord. We just pray you bless us this week, Lord, as we go go out into our weeks, Lord. Help us take every uh, every every situation that you put us in, Lord. Help us to, to see you in it, Lord, and see your plan working in that, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au.